What's going on, ASM? My name is Adam. I'm Austin's intern this year, and I'm super stoked to be spending this year with you guys here in middle school. And tonight, or today, you know, whenever you're watching this, I figured I'd start us off with something for you guys to get to know me just a little bit better. When I was younger, probably early high school, maybe like eighth, ninth grade, I was what they called a sneakerhead. I mean, I was kind of a wannabe. It was expensive to get into, but essentially, a sneakerhead is somebody who's really, really big into expensive shoes, you know, like Nikes, Jordans, or my personal favorite, the Yeezys. And they were super popular at the time, but they were also thousands of dollars. I mean, these things were stupid expensive. But because these shoes were worth so much money, a ton of companies online would manufacture a fake version of the real shoe, and they'd either sell it at a lower price or they'd sell it at the same price and try and trick people into buying that shoe. Here's an example here. The real ones up top and the fake ones on the bottom. And I mean, you can barely tell a difference. Some of these companies were really, really good at hiding the fact that these were fake shoes. Um, the packaging would be the same. It might be at a similar price. But there were always these really small differences that made the world of a difference to the shoe. And a lot of people who were big into shoes, kind of like I was, were able to point out these differences because they didn't want to settle for anything but the real thing. Additionally, if it got found out that you had a fake shoe or that you thought you had the real thing but you were wearing a fake one, it was a big deal. It happened to a friend of mine, and he lost like all of his credibility in school. Now, why do I tell that story? It's essentially the situation that the Church of Galatia is in right now. And it's actually where we're at as a group of people. Paul had shared the truth of the gospel to the people in this Church of Galatia. And in his absence, they were led astray and had settled for something that was close to the truth, but it had been changed to the point that it couldn't have even been called the gospel anymore. It had become a worthless faith. You can think of it like this next picture we got up here. Here's the real shoe that they first had. And then there's the fake. I mean, there's just, it's an embarrassment to the real shoe. And in our passage today, Paul is addressing this as a serious issue. And we're going to be looking at how he makes on, how he makes holding on to the truth of the gospel so important, despite the opinions of the world. Here's our big idea tonight. In a world of distractions, the gospel of Christ is the only firm foundation. Let's start off with verses 6 through 7 here to understand why Paul is so riled up about this. Verse 6, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. So let's, let's start off here with a little bit of context. And I, I kind of already addressed this a little bit, but we got this guy, Paul, right? Paul, he's a champion. He goes around to all these cities and preaches the gospel of Christ, which is this good news that Jesus died and rose again for our sins because we're broken people that need God's grace. And that's how we're saved. It is only by work of Jesus on the cross, not through any works or other beliefs or actions on our part. However, after Paul had left the city of Galatia to spread this message to more people, some false leaders 
crept into the church and were spreading this fake gospel that was leading people astray from God, claiming that you had to take part in old Jewish, Jewish laws and rituals to be a follower of Jesus. And, you know, Austin talked about this a little bit earlier, but these people were called the Judaizers, which sounds kind of funny, to be honest. It's like a team of supervillains that the Avengers would fight or something. I don't know. It's kind of funny to me. But what they had done is this. They had taken this pure truth that Jesus is all you need to be saved, and they had morphed it into something that was actually offensive to the real truth. Think of the shoe analogy that we just went through. They had believed that Jesus, his work on the cross wasn't enough, and that God won't accept you unless you perform works to earn his grace. And the thing is, when that's your view of God, it'll change the way that you live your life. And that leads us into our first point today. Point number one is this, the gospel is a foundational truth. The way that we view God affects the way that we view reality. And because of that, the way that we view God affects the way that we think, we act, and we feel in every area of our lives. See, the word gospel in this passage and in pretty much every other passage of the Bible means good news that brings joy. And it's the gospel of Christ that will never change no matter what. It's the rock on which we build the rest of our lives on. That's ultimately why Paul is so firm about sticking with this true original gospel because there's no other truth in our lives that shapes us or affects us in the same way that the gospel of Christ does. Think of the gospel like a foundation of a house. If you guys don't know much about how a house is built, it starts with this big, big slab of concrete on the ground. Before you build a house, you gotta set up this foundation right here. And here's the thing, if that foundation isn't built right, if it's not level, like if it slants a little bit or if it's cracked, the house is gonna be super messed up. I mean, there's going to be a problem. If the foundation isn't built right, if the foundation isn't solid, you're going to have some problems with either the foundation or the house, and it's not going to be a good time. So by viewing the gospel as a foundation, it's pretty easy to understand that a false gospel is going to affect your decisions and your desires. That's like the house that you're building on top of your foundation. And when your foundation is something other than Christ, something is bound to fall apart. We can often get sidetracked by different messages that claim to be gospels or good news to our ears. I mean, there's thousands and thousands of different things that this could take form of. And some of these messages we're easily deceived by, while others are pretty obviously false. We've got an example of that here. Austin and I, it's kind of funny, we both love this brand called Birds Aren't Real. It's this clothing brand, and it's this whole idea that birds are government drones that recharge on power lines, that they're spying on you. You know, they sell shirts. They're actually going on tour around the United States to spread the feathered gospel that birds are not real animals. And it's, it's hilarious because no one is actually seriously buying into this as a real thing. It may, may come as a shocker to you, but Austin and I don't, actually believe that birds aren't real. Like we we genuinely think that God created them. But the difference between that kind of fake news and a false gospel is this. A false gospel is something that sounds appealing and truthful, but it's also something that can steer your life in a very different direction than that of Christ. Maybe it's thinking that the Bible isn't enough as a firm foundation that you need more. Maybe it's thinking that you need something other than God to be complete, like a relationship or some sort of success. 
Maybe it's the idea that all roads lead to heaven. Maybe it's the idea that we figure out our lives through our zodiac signs. Maybe it's thinking that you're not actually a sinner and that you don't need Jesus to save you. In fact, there are so many false gospels and what I like to call spiritual junk food out there that it's, it's a mess. I could go on and on about that stuff. And man, there are things that people debate about, about God. There's things that I don't understand that Austin doesn't understand. But here's the one thing that remains as a foundation for us all. God loves you and he loved you enough to send his son Jesus to die for your sins. And eternal life is given to those who believe that Jesus was enough and that he rose from the dead to save us. That's the true good news. And that is the only foundational good news. Following rules like the Galatian people fell into, that doesn't make you a follower of Jesus. The reality, is, the reality is when we follow him, that is when our lives start to look like how Jesus would have lived. And here's why Paul wants you to hold on to that truth. Point number two is this. The true gospel saves lives while false gospels take lives. Paul is desperately concerned about the truth of the gospel because it brings life like nothing else in the world. And ultimately, everything else is going to lead to discontentment. We're going to see how serious Paul is about this message in our next few verses here. Let's look at verses 8 through 9 to think about this. Verse 8, But even if we, or an angel from heaven, should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. As we have already said, so now I say again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let them be under God's curse. So Paul is pretty obviously fired up here. I mean, he's writing this letter to the Galatians out of a place of correction, and he's probably pretty frustrated. He's saying that misleading somebody is worthy of a curse from God. And we know he's upset about this because he repeats this. I don't know about you guys, but I know that no one's ever been happy with me when they've had to repeat something about something wrong that I did. But here's what Paul is getting at. It doesn't matter who is spreading a false gospel, whether it's someone you know well, whether it's someone you may think has credibility, or whether it's someone you trust. He cares about the message itself because he deeply desires his audience to be putting their trust in the gospel rather than the opinions of people. Oftentimes, we can have role models in our lives. We call these people disciplers uh, in the church. We can look up to these people. We can follow them, and we can put our trust uh, with them in how we think or how we act. If they believe something, we believe it. If they do something, we should do it too. And that can get into a little bit of a dangerous area. For me, growing up, that was my dad. Man, whatever he liked to do, I liked to do. He was big into planes. I Okay, I'll be big into planes. Any food that he liked, I liked Elanos yogurt, peanut butter, any of that, like super niche stuff. I was a big follower of my dad and everything about him. And luckily that led to me believing in Christ as my savior. But what Paul really wants for his audience is for them to grow a personal faith. And this does come with having role models and disciplers to lead you. However, it also comes with this idea of discernment, which is the ability to test whether something is false or true. It's easy to be led astray when we tether our beliefs to somebody we look up to. and We just let them tell us what to believe and we let them figure everything out and have all the answers for us. But the reality is, when that tether is cut, when that person may leave our lives, we're left with a faith that's not our own. 
And it's so important for us to know the truth of the gospel ourselves and be able to understand it instead of relying on somebody else for all of the answers. And here's why. Here's why that's such a big deal. Not only does the gospel protect us from the dangerous pitfalls of the world by guiding our steps, it saves us from eternity without God, which is why Paul is putting so much emphasis on not leading people astray. Because when you're leading somebody away from eternal life with God, you're leading them to their ultimate separation from God and death. Here's a way to think about what Paul is doing. And I'm pretty sure you guys are wondering why this picture is up here. This will make it clear. I was in eighth grade. This day I was in my English class, and the guy sitting next to me comes in with a big bag of ghost peppers. And if you guys don't know, here's, here's a ghost pepper. These things are some of the like most hot peppers in the world. They're some of the, I think they are like the number one naturally hottest pepper in the world. It's crazy. And I was kind of sitting there, I was looking at the bag, and I was like, man, I kind of want to try one. And the guy is like, Adam, you want to try ghost pepper? Whole class goes silent. And all of a sudden, he's offering me this ghost pepper, and the whole class starts chanting my name. Even the teacher is like, Adam, yeah, do it, do it, do it. And like the idiot I was, I ate the whole thing. And let me tell you, I have never experienced pain like I did that day. It was crazy. I didn't have any water in the classroom or anything. My whole body was on fire. I was just shoving paper towels in my mouth and like crying. Oh, it was, it was the worst. Excuse me. But after I ate it and suffered for the rest of the class period, other people in the class were like, you know, seems like a good idea. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go try ghost pepper. And I, I would go over and I would say, no, don't do it. It's not worth it. You're, you're going to your death. It's, you don't want this pain. And the guy that was giving out the ghost pepper was like, yeah, yeah, you should try one. And I would smack him out of the hand. I would say, no, please don't do it. And that is exactly what Paul is doing here in this passage. It may sound harsh. It may feel uncomfortable. But he's pleading with his audience and saying, hey, this may sound appealing. This may sound like a good idea. But it's not worth it. It's leading to pain. It's not leading to life. And the people that are leading you astray are leading you away from life with Jesus. And man, one of those biggest ways that we can bring pain and discomfort and discontent in our own lives is by wanting to please people rather than pleasing God. And that story and that idea fits perfectly into this last verse and our last point that we're going to look at. Point number three is this. Pursue God with your life, with every single part of you. Let's look at verse 10 to finish out strong today. And if there's any verse or any message that you want to remember or get away from this passage, please memorize this one. Verse 10, am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. So here, man, Paul is asking a rhetorical question, right? It's obvious what the answer is. Nothing about what he is doing is being done to please people. It's all in the name of wanting to do right by God. That's what his main focus is in. What I did in eighth grade was mostly fueled by wanting to please people. And yes, you know, I kind of did want to do it, but I definitely would not have done that if there weren't a lot of people around me telling me to do it and wanting me to do that. I was totally playing off of what they wanted from me. And I, the reality is, I could have actually died from eating that pepper. The ghost pepper is so hot that it could burn a hole in your esophagus and you just stop breathing. It's pretty scary. 
But what Paul is saying is that an attitude built around pleasing people leaves no room for pleasing God. And that's a big deal because when we find ourselves trying to please people by changing ourselves or letting go of our values to just feel accepted, it is very difficult to live a life that pleases God or gives glory to him. Ultimately, all of us have been created to worship or to please something. If it's not God, it's a group of people. It's success. It's getting into an inner circle. It's getting into a relationship. But the reality is this. Nothing in this world is going to be worth pleasing compared to God. Everything in this world, the Greek word is hevel. It's smoke. You reach out for it, you think it's there, and there's nothing. The desires of this world and the desires of people always change, but God will never change. I'm going to repeat our big idea today. In a world of distractions, the gospel of Christ is the only firm foundation. Here's the thing, guys, and I, man, I want to get real for a second here. I know that this is actually one of the hardest things to do and to put into practice. Man, I, I know what it's like to be in middle school and to feel anxious and stressed about what people may think about you. I mean, Paul got thrown in jail when he stood up for what he believed. And while we don't have those kind of consequences, it can still feel very difficult to do this. I hope you can believe me when I say this, but man, middle school is just a popularity contest that nobody ever wins. And man, trust me, it goes by in like a blip. You will not remember half of the stuff that happens. You're not going to care or remember anything uh, about 6th through 8th grade. You guys are in a time when everybody is trying to figure out who they are and what they believe and who to follow, what to set their foundation as. And while that's a difficult stage, this is actually an incredible opportunity to allow God to really take root in your lives as your foundation. And if you're wondering whether it's even worth it to follow God, I hope and I pray that I can assure you that nothing in this world could ever compare to the joy that that brings. And so with all that being said, I've got a couple questions that I hope will be on your minds for a while. Question number one, do you believe that the gospel is a worthy foundation of your life? What people or things do you rely on for figuring out the truth? And in what areas is it easier to please people instead of pleasing God for you? Let's pray together. God, thank you so much for this time. Thank you for your word. Lord, thank you for the discomfort that your word may bring to us sometimes. God, I pray that we would not shy away from that, but we would lean into that, God, that we would want to be made uncomfortable so that we can grow, so that we can get to know you better. And I pray for that desire to be on the hearts uh, of ASM. Thank you again for this amazing community and the ability to get into your word, to learn from it. God, I pray that we would be going back to this passage and really seeking for application in our own lives, God. And in Jesus' name I pray, amen. All righty, that's all for today, guys. Thanks for joining us.